<laughs> What's up, dirties? It's me, once again. Welcome to another episode. This episode of the Sean Boyles Podcast is brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters, where you want to go if you want to do some podcasting. Very powerful tools for beginners, pros, and everything in between, all in one spot. Uh, it's very, very simple. Uh, and it's all completely free. They upload your work to all podcast platforms. Uh, you can have fan engagement. You get analytics. Uh, they even have a, a, a video component that they've added. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, uh, you can get money from uh, ad revenue or from fan donation um, to the point where you can actually uh, have an income from your podcast. Very easy, very simple, and you can do it. Get started today. Go to podcasters.spotify.com and start podcasting. Also, we are sponsored by The Music Depot. Music Depot, downtown Hayward, California, 944 B Street in downtown Hayward. Owner Pete Shotfuck. Uh, just, you know, a... A man who has been in the Bay Area music scene for a very, very long time. Got his own little music shop in downtown Hayward. They got Schecter guitars. They got Shure mics. Orange amps. They offer lessons for drums, guitar, and I believe Piana. And um, and they've been sponsoring the Boils Bistro Blowout every month. Go to Music Depot in downtown Hayward for all your music needs I got some dates yeah I got some dates let's see if we can switch this up ooh how about that um maybe we take that out okay, this one. that's better playing with the music yo um <laughs> I got dates I will be doing some comedy coming up here in your area, maybe, if you're in my area. Um, this Thursday, 420, I'll be doing comedy at Liquid in San Jose. Big 420 show uh, brought to you by uh, Sean Black. Uh, uh, April 21st, Friday, I will be doing comedy at the Vikings Motorcycle Clubhouse in Hayward, California. Just added May 20th, we'll be doing comedy at the Sports Page in Mountain View. A special one-off, never-to-happen-again um, performance by Hazards. We're calling it Haphazard. Uh, we will be performing May 27th at uh, Winter's Tavern in Pacifica. We'll be performing as a duo for one time only. Just bass and drums and vocals. Uh, the debut of Willis on vocals. And, as I said last week... I wasn't supposed to announce it, and I'm announcing it anyway. Zed playing at the SoCal Heavy Jam in San Diego, California, September 30th. 
get at all that because that's what you want going on in your life. And as always, music heard here on the Sean Boyles Podcast is not owned, copywritten, trademarked, or licensed by me or the Sean Boyles Podcast. So don't try to come at me with any hooting and hollering, trying to come after your dude, trying to sue a motherfucker, because it ain't going to happen. All right? Let's, um... Let's do a podcast. It's the Sean Boyles Podcast. Music, comedy, drums, life, burrito. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome to another episode of the Sean Boyles Podcast, episode 187. A murderous episode. <laughs> Welcome. How are you? It's a Tuesday afternoon. I'm recording this um, with, um, you know, uh, with with nothing else to do in my life right now. No, <laughs> uh, work's been fucking slow, man. I I think it's picking up. I got I've gotten a few calls. And I've given a couple estimates. One of them I'm picking up tomorrow. And then uh, I am going to go out of town to do a job just because I am a little desperate. So I need to make that shit happen. But uh, it's all good. It's all good. That's what we got to do. That's how you That's how you hustle. That's how you hustle out here in them streets. Um, we got a, uh, got a nice little podcast. We'll do... Uh, I got some shows to recap, uh, comedy-wise, and, uh, you know, some other things that have come up. A little um, little uh, a reaction of the week as normal, but I also am going to throw in another little something-something in there. And then uh, we'll finish it off with the earworm as usual. How are you doing? Um... It's kind of strange. I've uh, done just small little piddly jobs here and there, but I've had a lot of uh, I've had a lot of days off, man, and I don't like it. I don't like it, but I have been able to um, like kind of get the apartment in better shape. It's still not there, still not there, but it's uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. Um. I believe I have all the uh all the woman's stuff out of the apartment. So at least that is um that's something. Now I just got to clean the motherfucker and get uh get it a little reorganized as to where my stuff can and should be um I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with the closet. The uh, the Without her stuff in the closet, that fucking closet's massive. I, I, I there's there's a lot of things like it's not a walk-in closet, but it seems a little bigger than your average sort of bedroom closet. It's I don't know. I just feel like I feel like I could crawl in there. I might utilize that space a little bit differently than a closet space. 
Like I could put a like I could put a chair in there, you know, or something. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do with it. I don't know what I want to do with the little the little extra space that I have. I'll probably just end up filling up with my own junk, right? Like I could probably just like yeah, I could probably just put a whole other tote type plastic bin thing in there and just be like, "Hey, you know, that's where that's where that goes and you know, I don't know. I haven't figured I'm thinking out loud, obviously. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Get this fucking get this place back to uh to bachelor pad status. Or um <laughs> or uh just sorry ass fucking single old guy. <laughs> Probably more that than the other. Sorry sackness. Uh <laughs> All right, let's uh let's recap the week. I um What did I do Wednesday? Tuesday I did this. Wednesday mm, You think I'd write this shit down. Uh <laughs> Oh Jesus. I don't know if I did anything worth a fucking mention on Wednesday. I don't think I went anywhere. Did I do a show? No. So that show's Friday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let's just get to those. Um, Friday night, I had a show in Santa Cruz, California, at the Greater Purpose Brewery. And um, my man, Big Beasy. Lives in Santa Cruz, and every time I go to Santa Cruz, I try to see my my boy. And uh, for those of you who know, or maybe though some of you don't know, but some of you know, uh, Big Beasy, aka Mister Monk, is uh, lead singer from Lickestow, my old band from the late nineties, and uh, I don't get a chance to see him too often. But when I do, it's, you know, right back to it. Thick as thieves. That's my dude. And um, we got to hanging out. And uh, he got himself into, um, and he gave me two of them. And they're fucking awesome. Um, he made these, he's making these wood guitar stands. And they're kind of, um, they almost look like old furniture, which is kind of cool. You know, the the way he's got it sort of, you know, like the design of it, it's sort of, you know, I don't know. It kind of looks like old wood furniture in a way, and it's kind of cool and sort of classic looking, and uh, and they hold guitars mighty finely. So um, he had, like, fucking shit, seven or eight of them, and he gave me a couple. So, uh, I, I mean, he could easily sell them. Like, they're, they're, they're nice. They're very nice. So, um, and they're all different too. He didn't have two that were the same. They were all, uh, pretty unique. So I grabbed the two that I liked the best and they are sitting here holding guitars. It's pretty cool. I don't know. As a drummer, I got fucking, I got guitars. That's, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre, uh, it's a bizarre world I live in. Um, 
So I got down there early, be it that I had, you know, didn't really have much work going on. Did some small little piddly things with my man Bungie Brent. Uh, but we tried to do something on, was that on Friday or was that Thursday? No, Thursday. That's right. Thursday he couldn't do a thing. Friday I went in the morning and did a small little thing by myself for him. But it was, you know, I was there for fucking 45 minutes. You know what I mean? And um, he had went to Santa Cruz the day before. And so he was like, don't you have a gig coming up in Santa Cruz? I said, yeah, I'm going down there on Friday. He's like, oh, make sure you leave like seven hours earlier than you need to be there. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what kind of fucking horse shit happened? Or is Highway 17 fucked off? You know what I mean? What kind of bad luck did you have that you think everybody else is going to suffer the same fate? Uh, apparently during the week up until about three o'clock, they're doing major tree removal on highway 17, uh, highway 17 is, uh, for those that are not in California that know, uh, from the South Bay, from like the San Jose, Los Gatos area, uh, 17 is a highway that you go through that goes through some, uh, uh, some redwood forest, basically Santa Cruz forest. And it drops into the town of Santa Cruz. Uh, Scotts Valley is also there. I believe there's a Boulder Creek in there. Um, little s- smaller towns. And then you drop into um, Santa Cruz. And there's a split for Highway 1. You can go down go down to Watsonville. Or you can go north and go up the coast and go back up towards San Francisco. So... Uh, be it that we've had so much rain, I guess these trees have gotten wrecked and the potential for them to fall onto the highway and create all kinds of havoc is uh, is high. So they're clearing out shit that's fucked up. And they're doing that during the day. So it makes it a little trying to get into Santa Cruz. Apparently, my man Bungie Brent tried to go on Thursday and it took him five hours to get into Santa Cruz and he was very upset. It fucked off his whole day and he was crying. He told me that shit was done at three o'clock. So guess what I did? I didn't fucking leave here until three o'clock and it took me an average amount of time to get there. It usually takes about an hour to get to Santa Cruz, maybe a little bit more to get there from the East Bay. And then Friday evening, uh, go home traffic. I thought maybe I catch a little bit. I didn't even really catch much of that, but I kind of, kind of zipped into Santa Cruz. Kind of no problem. And I haven't had a chance to talk to him and tell him that I didn't have a problem getting into Santa Cruz. He's gonna have a fit. But um, got there early, hung out with my dude. Um. Just kicked it out of his house for a little while. Fucking we sat there and bullshit and laughed. And then uh, we went over to the Greater Purpose Brewery. Thank you to uh, DNA and uh, Shree Powell for uh, putting on a cool little show at this nice little brewery. And uh, uh, it was a little odd. Uh, they were a little worried about the turnout because apparently, even though the place was filling up nice, they said none of their pre-sale tickets had showed up. I was like, well, fuck them. If you know, this place is looking like it's almost full now. You know, and then the pre-sale people, I guess, finally showed up. But uh, we had a good crowd. Uh, my man Beasy, though, warned me. He said, hey, man, 
I know, you know, your stuff is a little raw sometimes. Uh, just to let you know, this room is very, uh, very woke, very PC. Uh, they got posters and signs everywhere letting you know about their acceptance and their tolerance. And I said, well, good, then. If they're accepting and tolerance, they're going to accept these nuts in their mouth with jokes. Um, I didn't say that, but that's what I thought in my mind. Um, they will... Um, I mean, I'm not doing anything crazy right now that's uh, super... Uh, I do have <laughs> I do have one joke that can be um, problematic. And, um, and if I do a 10-minute set, I don't do the joke. But if I got to do 12 minutes, I sort of throw that joke in there. I had to do 12 minutes. And, uh, and I went bullet, which means first. So I had the... Um, I was doing well. I, everything was rolling. Everything was hitting. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Cree's host set was a little lackluster. She's usually a better, uh, uh, better comic than that. Uh, she wasn't really getting much. So I kind of had to bring my energy and do what I do and just went up there yelling and screaming about my long balls and fucking got them laughing. Um, and then, and then everybody else after me had great sets. Um, However, there was one table. There was one table of I don't want to judge, but possible lesbians. You know, kind of crunchy looking granola eating bitches that were sitting at a table, and uh, they didn't laugh at shit all night. None of the comics cracked this table. They just stood there with their fucking heads on their hands. Sitting there with the elbows on the table, just not laughing at anything. Um, in fact, uh, Phil Griffith, who was the feature, he even said, uh, "What's wrong with you guys? Everyone here seems to be having a good time. You guys haven't smiled once. You haven't laughed at anything all night. You know." And and then they were non-responsive even to the uh, to the attempted crowd work. So. Whatevs, fine, be like that, yo. But uh, other than the fucking crab apples that were there, uh, it was a good show, and I had a good set, and I was stoked um, to um, not have to deal with a uh, hostile PC room. So that was nice. Um, Saturday, we had a... uh, a very rare Zed rehearsal on a Saturday afternoon. And as I was driving down there, I got a text from my girl, uh, Serena Gamboa, asking me if I could do a set uh, that night. I wasn't scheduled to be anywhere. And she hit me up. She's all, can you come down to Newman? Can you be in Newman by 745? Where most people will say, where the fuck's Newman? I knew where Newman is. I know it's just south of Patterson, down Highway 5. And um, I was uh, I was able to do the gig. So uh, I got done, with, uh, got done with Zed rehearsal, came home, cleaned up, jumped in the shower, got the... Got the drum butt off me from rehearsal and uh, and then headed down to Newman. 
In fact, I... Uh, so apparently, a comedy show has never been done in Newman, California. It was at this, um, I guess, a very old hotel that has been converted into a uh, space. A space that can be rented out for uh, for parties or uh, meetings or what have you. They have a bar and they got food and she had uh, 80 some odd people. It completely sold out. She had to tell people that they couldn't come in as people were trying to buy tickets at the door. And uh, I had to go bullet on that show too. And I had another fucking hot set. I was pretty stoked. And I opened up and I couldn't believe that I did it. And I didn't, it wasn't premeditated. And I didn't even think about it. I just said, Hello, Newman. I did it. I did the fucking Seinfeld fucking cliche ass bullshit. The first comic to do comedy in Newman. And I went for the hack right out of the gate. Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. And I got a fucking big laugh out of that shit because everybody watches goddamn Seinfeld. But, um, yeah, I had a fucking hot set, man. I had a really good set. I was actually pretty stoked. Um, um, Messy Marv was on that bill. And, um, and Rick James. Not the Rick James, but Rick James. R.I.C. James. Uh, a Central Valley comic. And, uh... Acoustics weren't completely dialed in. Um, maybe the PA not loud enough for the size room. Uh, the room has a very, very, very high ceiling, like thirty foot, almost warehouse, like you know, like second story high of a ceiling. So uh, shit was a little echoey, and um, I think they can uh, do a couple things to, uh, you know. Make it better, get another speaker and put it towards the back. But uh, some people were complaining about the sound while Messy Marv was on. But Messy Marv's a little bit of a mush mouth. So, you know, a big echoey room talking fast with a mush mouth and not giving the space. You know, I realized it while I was up there and I slowed my slowed my shit down a little bit and just was uh, tried to be a little bit more articulate. But there were some people that complained about the sound. So, uh, But that was, again, the first show they've ever done there. They will get it definitely dialed in. I think the next one's in May, May 20th. Um, and then, unfortunately for Serena, and I felt bad, um, no one that she had booked on the show actually did the show last uh, on Saturday. Everyone that she had pre-booked uh, fl- it, uh, like flaked out one by one, um, starting about two weeks before the show. So... She made it happen. She scrambled, and then I was at, like that last minute put on, and uh, and there was people that had the poster, and uh, like Mario Hodge was supposed to headline, and uh, Messy Marv was on, and uh, some lady had the poster in her hand, and uh, there was a little section in the back where people were actually just standing because there was nowhere to sit, and uh, we in fact we even brought in more tables and chairs to accommodate everybody. There was still a handful of people that sat, and someone had a flyer and she showed me on the flyer like is this him i'm like no ma'am that's not him you know all black folks don't look the same right and she started she's oh my god i didn't i didn't even i just i didn't know i'm so i'm so oh my god you know (laughs) she went sat down i said i'm just i'm just kidding 
Um, but man, I gotta say, Newman is I as a small little town. I don't know what it is about the small towns in the Central Valley, but they're cool, man. I had a good time in Galt when I went up there. The people were cool. And this little town, same thing. The people were cool, up for any kind of comedy. And uh, after the show, we were talking to people as they were walking out. I was talking to a group of folks, having a good time, having a conversation. They're asking me where I'm from and how long I've been doing comedy and da-da-da-da-da. And they always ask the same thing. They think that like we're a package deal. Like, oh, do you guys go around together and do shows? We're like, nah, man. It's like, it's, you know, I've done shows with these guys before, but, you know, it's random. It isn't like we're a, we're a troop. We're all, you know, individual contractors, you know. And uh, we just get put on bills together. And, you know, like I'm in, you know, I told them, I go, I was in Santa Cruz last night and I'll be in San Jose the, the tomorrow night. You know what I mean? Like just letting them know that like, it's it's weird. I've heard that a few times before. People, when they see a comedy show and they see, you know, four or five people on a bill together, they think that we roll together and do shows together exclusively all the time, which there are handfuls of cats and kittens that will do a lot of shows together. But it isn't like they're on purpose doing shows together as a group. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I've had to explain that to people a few times. Uh, but I was talking to a group of folks and, uh, just kind of holding court a little bit and talking and they're laughing and, you know, and then I feel this tug, you know, I got fucking hair grown down to my ass and dreads, you know, my dreads got tugged on and it wasn't like a little, like playful little tug. It was like grabbed and pulled as in come here. It was, you know what I mean? Like. I got pulled over to another circle of people, a a circle of cougars. There was like five or six of them just purring, showing their teeth, adjusting their 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 chesticles and 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 uh quickly running hands through hairs. And we're interested in talking to you, dude. And I feared for my life. (laughs) (coughs) The one that grabbed my hair was obviously the most aggressive. And she didn't let go of my hair as I was talking to the the ladies. Uh, She continued to hold on to my hair and sit there and stroke it and 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 run her hands through the um the wa- the, the the strands of hair that she had it was a little odd um now mind you i'm old i'm 49 years old so these are cougars to me so wrap your head around how old these women had to be to be cougars for my age. We're talking women in their 60s that were wearing form-fitting clothing and had looked like they'd been out in the sun. The one chick had, had was leather, leather, leather face, leather chest, 
My girl looked like she spent a little bit too much time in the sun. Whoa, which one on the Golden Girls was the little hoe? Was that Blanche? She had Blanche vibe. But like if Blanche had stayed out in the out out in the sun too long, and uh, and that was the aggressive one. Old Leatherface was uh, was aggressive with your boy. And I think I think I I mean. I could have been pounced on. I could have been pounced on completely if I succumbed to the ways of the Cougars. Um, I think it would have been. Uh... <laughs> yeah, man, I think it could have went down. <laughs> I think it easily could have went down. Um, so as the as as the place in Newman cleared out, it was at the St. George Hotel. Is it was the name of the place, and uh, as we cleared out, everyone was saying they were going to the bar down the street. There's only one bar in Newman. I think it's called the fucking Bar on the Corner or some shit like that. And so um, I bopped in there and I walked in to an ovation. I walked into hey and claps and cheers, like fucking homecoming fucking shit like it was insanity like you know half the the crowd that was at the comedy show had made their way over to the bar and so i got a very warm reception if i drank i could have drank for free all night easily because i had everyone coming up to me uh coming up to me and asking me what i want to drink and um and i talked to all kinds of people and there's people pulling out their phones and getting pictures and uh, what's your Instagrams and uh, uh, got a bunch of new follows. It was pretty fucking cool, man. So small towns are all right. Um, so that was my Saturday night, you know, sat there fucking for an hour and a half, maybe hanging out at the bar and then drove home. Got home about one in the morning. No big deal. Great. It's fucking great. And then I had a show on uh, Sunday night that I had scheduled. Uh, I was going to be at the Branham Lounge in San Jose on Sunday night. And um, this is uh, uh, Jimmy Menezes and um, Jacob Blazer. It's their dual producing, dual hosting show at the Branham. The Branham Lounge of San Jose is hit or miss. Um, it could be great. It could be shitty. It could be weird. Um, they've been having comedy there every Sunday for a couple of years. In fact, I think they were even doing it before the pandemic, and were doing it even like you know it it like it started getting going like about a year maybe before the pandemic, and uh, apparently there was comedy shows there even before that. Um, but hadn't been in in a while. So a place that is used to having comedy, but definitely people that are there that are not used to being at comedy shows. um, It can have a sort of comedy club vibe if it's done right. And uh, Jacob and Jimmy seem to feel like it is having that comedy club vibe. 
although they didn't have enough people there to make it feel like a comedy club vibe. But the way it's set up, I guess you could say um, you can get that feeling. But it, um, I had a, I had a, I had a decent set. I had a good set. I had a good set there too. Not as good of a set as the other two spots, but a good enough set where I felt good about it. And um, but my man Jimmy came up and he did a host set. That's because they, you know, they sort of go back and forth. You know, be it they're, they're both producing, they both get sets, which you know they don't necessarily need to both have sets. But it's their show. Get all the stage time you can get. You know. Uh, Jacob went first. First of all, the two of them come up and they do a thing together. And then they uh, they had a guest set. Uh, Patrick McDermott was there. He did a, a, a guest set. Got some laughs. Jacob does his host set. Gets some laughs. Calls me up. I go up there. I rip. Got some big laughs. And then Jimmy comes on after me and does his host set and kind of uh, wanders a little bit during the set. And out of maybe boredom, eight people walked out during his set. And, um, I mean, we didn't have a huge crowd as it, as it was. So eight people walking out was, uh, pretty significant. Fortunately, some more people kind of came in after kind of, uh, made up for it, but, and there was a small handful of people that were there exclusively for the comedy show, which always makes uh, for a better crowd than a bar show that happens and the patrons feel like they got ambushed by a comedy show. So, um, but then uh, uh, Asia. Um, oh, shit. What's Asia's last name? She's from Sacramento. Uh, she had a great set, and then my man Pete Munoz headlined, and he had a he had a great set as well. So good comedy for the last three nights, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Pretty good, pretty good. And then last night had a, a good Hazards rehearsal, and now the week has been recapped. Um, what are we doing on time already? I kind of went. I I kept going, huh? I did it. I was doing it. I was doing it. You know, I was doing it. Um, let's talk. So I was. Um, I saw a clip from a podcast. Um, it was uh, no. I was actually. I, I was actually. I think I was watching it. I wasn't even listening to it. I was watching it. I happened to pull up. Um, what's the name of their podcast? It's uh, little Esther P- P- uh, Penzis. P- I can't pronounce her last name. Um, Annie Letterman and um, and Kalila, which is uh, Bobby Lee's now ex girlfriend. Um. It's their uh, their podcast together. What the fuck is their podcast called? I want to say it's got the word Tuesday in it, but I don't think that's right. Um, do I look it up? Do I take the time to fucking find 
what the hell their podcast is called. It might come up pretty easy. Um, Trash Tuesdays. God damn it. Trash Tuesday. Um, anyway, they were talking with... Um, oh, shit. Who are they even talking with? Can I pull this up without fucking my shit up? Um... I got to put on my fucking glasses. Uh, Zhao Wing. Uh, Zhao Ying Summers, uh, who's a uh, a Korean uh, comic. And I've seen, I've been seeing clips of this woman. She's pretty, uh, she's pretty ballsy and a little brass, little, uh, you know, she don't fuck around. She says the shit that she needs, needs to say. And, uh, but she's pretty funny. But they were talking about... The uh, stereotypical, um, the stereotypical man, Asian woman sort of uh, fetish or or attraction or trend or whatever you want to call it, just the idea of you know guys really being into Asian chicks, and I kind of you know perked my attention because I have you know especially you know just getting out of a a, a four-year relationship with, with a Japanese woman. And, you know, I just was, I was like, I wonder what, I wonder what their angle is. I wonder what they think, you know, especially they were talking to this Korean woman and I found it interesting what they thought, um, was men's, uh, their desire for the Asian woman and why they had that desire. In their mind, they thought the men's Asian fetish is due to wanting a subservient female. Traditionally, in Asian cultures, the woman is very uh, doubting over her man and, you know, is very, you know, very traditional in the man and women roles, uh, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the house, taking care of the children, uh, while the man works, 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 and works some more. Um, and then also, um, I, I guess in the bedroom, being very submissive and um, and sort of giving to <laughs> to their man. And so in their mind, the attraction to Asian women is because of these things that they stereotypically provide. And I was I was watching this and I was like, I don't I don't know if men would admit it, but I don't think they think of that because I did it. And, you know, and I definitely had a atypical Asian woman um, that, you know, some stereotypical traits of an Asian woman, but kind of not. You know, she was very Western in her thinking a lot of times and or is very Western in her thinking. So, you know, like I kind of figured like. I kind of looked at my. I looked at her like. 
in Japan standards, she's a wild woman. Like, off-the-chart wild woman. To the point where maybe not something that was too desirable by many Japanese men. Just do on her behavior alone. Obviously, very nice to look at, but maybe too much for the typical Japanese man. I don't know. I'm speculating. To me, just seemed like a normal chick. But I'm going off the standards of being an American. And, you know, some of these chicks are wild out here. Actually, not even wild. Just see, just just seemed normal. She was into music. She liked to drink. She liked to party. She liked to have a good time. She liked to laugh. She was fun, feisty. You know, independent, strong, as well as incredibly attractive and sexy. So, but I think the strong and independent and feisty in in what Asian men might want, at least Japanese men, maybe that's not so attractive. But for me, I was like, ah, cool. You know what I mean? She's pretty normal as far as, you know, it's not uptight because I would think some of that shit would be uptight. You know what I mean? But as far as like what Asian women think or what women think in general about the attraction men have towards Asian women, they think it's this subservient thing. And I say nay. I say nay. I don't think we think... I don't think men think that hard uh, about that part of it. I think that's a pleasant surprise once you're in there and maybe men going out, hey, you know, get yourself an Asian woman and you're just going to do whatever the hell she, you, you want her to do. And I don't know. I just don't think in this day and age men are thinking in those kinds of terms I think it's just you know they're beautiful they're beautiful women <laughs> we're visual we see like this, this, this there's the something we see there and you know we have to be physically attracted first as men usually and I think it's just a a looks thing where we see that and you know you know there's a lot of men that are not attracted to curvy women they're more attracted to slender women or you get the jackpot and you get a, a curvy Asian woman the skin is always so nice you hardly ever see Asians with I well, I, I take that back. I've seen some terrible acne on Asians, but um, I don't know. It seems like you know most of the times Asian women, just overall, just nicer skin, nice leg proportion. I don't know. I just I don't think men are thinking the subservient part of the thing. I think they're being a little bit more fucking bonehead about it. Like, oh, look nice, me want, you know. I don't know. I could be on my own planet when it comes to that. Um, 
In fact, I think overall, like, I don't think men and women... So that got me thinking about this. I don't think men and women really still don't necessarily understand what the opposite sex wants. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're still not understanding each other, I don't think. But... On top of that, I think it's more of an individual thing. I don't think you can broad stroke that men want this and women want that. I really think it's coming down to an individual wants and needs and and what they're looking for in a partner. You know? Like, you know, there's some women that want a, you know, a man that's in touch with their feelings and sensitive and... And, um, you know, not will, not afraid to hold the purse and and, you know, but all these, you know, things that 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 in the past might have looked at men in a demasculating kind of way. Where women want where women want a man that is in tune with things like that. But then I'm still hearing about women like I want a man. I don't want no, you know, sissy la la you know, in touch with his feelings, fucking crying, man. I want a fucking man. I want a dude who's going to come around and fucking hit shit with a hammer and fucking fix things and, 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 and do man shit. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think there's probably a time where there was a lot of women that were looking for a man that was a little bit more sensitive and a little bit more in tune with his feelings. And then they come to find out that them cats can't fucking change a tire. So it's kind of, I feel like it might be going back to, you know, you know, women wanting a man to do fucking shit, you know. And it's, maybe it's wrong to say man shit versus women shit. How about um, heavy lifting type things or, 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 uh, 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 aggressive physical uh needed things you know yeah a woman can change a tire of course of course a woman can change a tire does she want to you know of course probably nobody wants to but a dude's gonna be like i'll do that yeah clear out of here don't hurt yourself sweetheart this is how you do it bang boom bang and you get that shit done quick you know you got more strength and you got more physical fortitude about you. We're built different. And that gets into the whole fucking gender kind of connotations too, right? Let's not even go down that road. Um, a friend of mine made this post. It really kind of pissed me off. She made a post that said it was like some fucking Bible quote saying that, uh, the demons referred to themselves as they and them. Matthew number, number, whatever, number, verse, number, number. And I was like, what are you saying with this right here? What are you saying? The people that are having, you know, uh, gender identity issues that want to feel a little bit better about how they feel as people because maybe they're not uncomfortable. Maybe they're, Maybe they're they are uncomfortable in the in the skin that they have, and they want a pronoun to uh, sort of help make them feel better about who they are. 
um, you're going to demonize these people and think think of them as demons because of a verse that was written in a collection of folk tales from the first to second century. Like, come on. Like, that's not even what they're saying there. You're make you're making that core. This meme is making the correlation between the, they, them that the demons refer to themselves in and the people that are having gender ID issues referring to themselves as they, them. I go, that's not what that said in that Bible verse. You're making the correlation by even posting that, you know, and this was a, a, a good friend of mine too, that, that has um, become very hardcore Christian and very uh, right wing. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I find it odd. I find it a little odd. Um, you know, and she told me that I don't know my history, that the Bible is real. And I almost hit the fucking, <laughs> I almost hit the delete button. Don't tell me the Bible is fucking real. It is not. It's a fucking book of fiction just like anything else. Man wrote that shit. It is not the divine word of God. There's no way to prove that. No way to prove that. King James fucking... Rounded up a bunch of folk tales to keep his flock in line. And he called it the Bible. New Testament. Part two. It's the reason why the Jews don't like fucking Jesus. Took their whole shit that they had and fucking turned it on its head and made loving this God, made God this loving thing. And this new shiny character named Jesus. And the Jews are like, hey, what the fuck is this? What do you got here with this? What is this guy with the sandals in the in the hair? What is this? God, what if God God will burn your ass? <laughs> That's not the God we know. That's not the God that we wrote in our book. You know. Anyway. <laughs> uh all right, let's uh let's move on. Let's get to some of this. Yeah, it's that time. We're going to react to some shit. You want my reaction to something? I'm going to react it to something. Um, Every week I try to, me, me, Sean Boyles, being a longtime lover of heavy music, loud, aggressive, loud music that's loud and aggressive. Uh, I'll uh, try to check into the uh, Billboard Hot 100 and try to react to a song on the old pop charts. Uh, this week, I had to go down. I had to go down the list. I think this is in the. Um, I believe this is in the top twenty. I want, if I remember correct, because I put it in last night. Uh, I believe it's number sixteen. A. Um, Who do we got? Some cat name or group or something. Rod Wave. And the song is called Fight the Feeling. Number um, number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. Reaction of the week. Let's see what Rod Wave is doing, huh? Mm-hmm. 
just we sampled something and made it super undecipherable. Oh, my favorite! 808 fucking hi hats. Bass is fucking crushing in my headphones right now. Is that all the same, dude? Call that seat sing songy style, right? Is that the hook? The hook snuck up on me. Does that ever happen to anybody? Sober? Long ass verse and a extended chorus, and that's it. And then we'll ride the shit out. Interesting. I guess that's uh, I guess that's dude, that's uh, that's fucking hardcore punk fucking song structure right there. <laughs> Do a verse, chorus, fucking breakdown out. I guess um. Hard to have a hook if you don't do the hook. If the hook feels like it's part of the part of the verse, it's kind of hard to uh, have people latch on to your song. Yeah. Um, I guess it's uh, fuck, it's better than the fucking mumbling shit, right? Is that still a thing? Are people still doing? I haven't heard a lot of mumble come up here on the on the reaction of the week part of the podcast um uh i think the 808 the tuned 808 baseline it seemed a lot louder than uh other other songs um but man the fucking 808 hi-hat just it just sounds it just sounds dated now doesn't it i'm getting to the point where it just fucking sounds Completely dated. I don't know. Uh, part two of Reaction of the Week this week. I thought I would uh, throw in Reaction of the Week this week. I uh, My reaction to hearing um, the new Metallica. The new Metallica record, 72 seasons. Um, and That's an interesting, interesting title. 72 seasons. That's... 72 seasons, that's 18 years, isn't it? 
What is that significant? 18 years. What are we um What are we saying there? What are what are what are, you, what are we saying with that title? What does that title mean? I'm sure they've been asked already and I just haven't heard it. But uh they've been making the rounds, man. They've fucking been on Stern all week last week. They were on Kimmel all week last week. Um so they're uh they're pushing they're pushing this record. Uh and they're doing some shit, I guess, uh that is sort of new. Uh I got you gotta give them credit. They're always trying to think of something new and different to do. And um they might not be able to do it musically anymore, which was in the eighties what we looked to them for was to do the new and different and then everyone would sort of follow suit. I mean, there was fucking three records in a row where they were the high water mark for thrash metal, you know, between ride the lightning. Well, I mean, arguably fucking all, all five of those first records, uh, kill them all, ride the lightning, master puppets and Justice for all. And even, um, the the black album, of course, the black album being the record that everyone kind of goes, oh no, what did they do? But yet gained a whole fucking two, three, four, five, tenfold worth of fans because of music that was a little bit more accessible. Um, but innovative in their thrash metal with those records. And I think that as they carry on and keep putting out records, I think the old fans really, really hold out for a innovative, pissed off, aggressive, um, heavy thrash metal record. And I... I always argue, like, how do you expect middle-aged men, men literally in their 60s, late 50s, early 60s, um, to, that are rich as fuck, mind you. So, middle-aged men, late 50s, early 60s that have money to wipe their asses with. I just, I don't know how you expect them to put out a fucking pissed off heavy metal um, innovative thrash record like they did when they were kids. I'll I'll always give props to Metallica for literally not giving a fuck about what the fans think. Uh, or what the critics think, or uh, what the haters think. You know, they're going to sell, no matter what they do, they're going to sell a million, two, three, four million records for every album they put out, regardless of what happens. They have earned that. They they are a respectable brand enough that they will just sell, you know. And it seems like there's a lot of people that are really liking this record. Uh, I don't feel like there's a lot of thrash metal on this record, but I do feel like 
there is some uh, original what they used to do when they first started as a band in replicating a an, an aggressive version of the new wave of British heavy metal bands. You know, the Diamond Heads and the Angel Witches and the, uh, um, you know, uh, the Blitzkriegs and the, the, the bands that they were into back then. You know, you could even throw UFO in there and, uh, you know, uh, just they, the stuff that they were listening to that they were influenced by and they just kind of, you know, poured kerosene on it and lit it on fire and just came with, came with a more aggressive version of new wave of British heavy metal. And then it morphed into what became thrash metal. And, you know, there's a big leap, I think, in musical style between kill them all and ride the lightning kill them all are still hanging on to a lot of that new wave of british heavy metal uh by time ride the lightning comes out i think they had shed a good amount of that and then by time master of puppets it's their own thing um and it's fucking pure thrash metal uh and pushing the limits so, like I said, you're not going to get them to do that. But I do believe that there is a lot of Kill em All style riffage on this record, as well as a lot of uh, Black Album material uh, style material on this record. So it's like a combination of the very first thing and the most popular thing they did. Um it's an oak it's an okay for me it's an okay record. I don't hate it. Um you know, the load and reload shit, eh, couldn't stomach it. The Saint Anger, eh, there's a couple of bright spots on Saint Anger musically. Uh but just knowing that they kind of were a fragmented band and you got no bass player yet and the snare drum is as caca as it is. Um, and then Death Magnetic was definitely a, um, a, a good try to reclaiming some thrash metal clout. There's some, uh, there's some things here and there that are, um, that are cool. That can be, Hey, good job. old guys, you sort of, uh, you got back to, you got back to it a little bit, got in the ballpark. Started wearing some vests that have patches on it again. <laughs> it's cute, thank you. But um, but then again, it, you know, it, you know, there's too many moments on that record for me that sound like they're retrying, they're trying to recreate the, um, the last like two minutes of the of of one after the dig 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 that dig 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 that. You know, once it gets into the guitar solo and uh, that whole, you know extended guitar solo with all those breaks and bumps and bangs and shit. Um, there's like three songs on death magnetic where it feels like they tried to recreate that energy. And I don't think they quite got there because it sounds like a recreation. And that's the problem I'm having with some of the riffs that are on, uh, the 72 seasons thing. They just sound like, um, recreations of older riffs. Like there's a riff on there that is, Seems like it's trying really hard to replicate sad but true, you know. 
Um, you know, and there was a couple other things that are like, wow, that kind of sounds like something else that they've done before. You know what I mean? But then again, you know, if that's your wheelhouse and that's the things that you pull from and that's your style, you know, um, something to be said for that too. You know what I mean? You know, you get, you get down the road and you get fucking seven, eight, nine albums behind you. You're going to start recycling some shit and change, you know, doing the same riff, but changing it a little bit. <laughs> so it's a different riff. But um, in order to maintain, you know, your sound and what you do. So they're in they're in an impossible spot. They're never going to satisfy everybody. They're definitely not going to satisfy the old school fans. They're not going to satisfy the um, the young kids that look up, you know, that the, the respect them for being. The OGs that they are. But then at the same time, we're talking about the biggest goddamn band on the planet. That's all there is to it, you know. So now their innovations are the way they do things, like the release of this record. They did listening parties in towns all across America in movie theaters where they had uh, a little movie that was done going through each song and introducing each song and uh, getting different takes from the uh, various members and um, and then playing the songs. And from what I've heard, because I have talked to some people that went to uh, that event, um, there was a couple of theaters here in the Bay Area that were um, premiering that record uh, the day before it came out. And they were talking about how like people are in there acting like it's the fucking concert. Hooting and hollering and headbanging and and cheering and it's like calm down, bitch. You're fucking you're sitting <laughs> you're watching something on a screen. Relax. <laughs> you know. Uh anyway. So that's um like I said, I, I I feel for those guys. They're they're in an, an impossible spot of um of putting out material that, you know, is gonna get panned no matter what they do. Um, but at the same time, I applaud them and I appreciate the fact that I know they don't give a fuck. They never have. I mean, this is a band that's been getting called to sell out since Ride the Lightning because there is a ballady kind of song that's on there. You know, it's like, come on, you know, Fade to Black is not a ballad. It's just kind of starts slow and and delicate and fucking it fucking gets pretty fucking big at towards the end. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But yeah, they've been. uh, I and I've been guilty, too, of shitting on them over the years. You know what I mean? You know, ah, they fucking lost the plot. Fuck them. You know what I mean? You know. But I got to give them I got to respect them because they have always done whatever the fuck they want to do. I mean, look at that album. They fucking did an album with Lou, with Lou Reed and that shit's fucking terrible, terrible, you know, but it was an opportunity to work with Lou Reed, you know, legendary who I fucking think is overrated as fuck, but, uh, we're not going to do an overrated about Lou Reed. Fuck him. Uh, let's, uh, fuck it. Let's get out of here. Sorry, I fucking kept missing the button. (laughs) Uh, 
Earworm of the week. Um, you know, you get songs stuck in your head. You know how that goes, right? Get a little fucking. You're listening to something and fucking go bopping on down the road and you fucking singing a tune. Earworm of the week. Um, thank you once again for checking out another episode of the Shaw Boyles podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, wherever it is you listen to my podcast, uh, send your complaints and and or suggestions to uh, Sean underscore Boils at yahoo.com. Or if you are friends with me on social medias, uh, Sean Boils on Facebook, uh, Sean underscore Boils 510 on Instagram. And uh, Sean Boyles on Twitter. I don't use the Twitter very often. But uh, get at me. Let me know you're out there in the world. I was um, on Saturday, Zed rehearsal. There was a band using the live room. And a um, a bluesy kind of outfit. In fact, uh, the guitar player was fucking smoking hot uh, player. I don't I don't know what they looked like. I don't mean they were smoking hot visually. I mean, they're playing, you know. The live room at Music Inc. Uh, rehearsal studios in, in San Jose where Hazards and Zed rehearse. Uh, there's two buildings. In the building that Zed rehearses in, uh, there's a live room in that building. And the live room is not... Uh, if, if, if there's a band in the live room, you can hear that band in every room of the building. Until Zed starts playing. Um, we are as loud as uh, any band that is on the big stage in the live room. Um, <laughs> the only thing separate, you know, there's walls and shit, but like, you know, there's an open ceiling in the um, in the live room and the rehearsal rooms that, that surround it only have, you know, like track fucking acoustic ceilings like what would be in an office. So it isn't like it's a solid, solid ceilinged room that you can't hear the live room. But then, of course, we get in our room and we're at the end and um, we are usually just as loud, if not louder, than the bands on the fucking <laughs> on the live room stage. It's all my fault. But uh, anyway... This guitar player is in there playing some fucking bluesy shit uh, phenomenally well. And uh, we hear this voice. Shout out to um, Music Inc. Um, on-site manager, uh, Sean Williams, also uh, creator of the Ink Spot podcast, um, who's just got an incredible singing voice. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover work too. He's just got a, he's just got a, he's just a, one of these guys that has a good voice, you know. It's not much to look at, but he's got a good voice now. Okay, <laughs> uh, he's just got an incredible voice and can do a lot with it. And he was singing some blues over this guy, just playing some simple little blues chords and shit. It was phenomenal. And then, um, and then uh, I guess a drummer finally showed up and. They launched into this song, and ever since Saturday, uh, this song has been stuck in my head. Um, 
We're going to, uh, this week's Ear Room of the Week is a song called, which a song that I thought was called Have Mercy forever. I had never, I didn't know that Have Mercy was not the name of the song. The song's called Waiting for the Bus. And it's on the Trace Ombres record by the mighty, mighty ZZ Top. So uh, Waiting for the Bus, ZZ Top is your earworm of the week this week. All right. Thank you for checking out another episode of the Sean Boyles Podcast. Be good, keep it dirty, and I'll see you Dick Stains next week. song ends very abruptly, doesn't it? Fuck Staten Avenue and fuck East Philly. Okay, goodbye. Brought to you by Blowout Productions.